You're in the water loop. Waterloop episode number 124, an atlas for local solutions. Local government staff responsible for water management often have limited resources and must avoid risk, putting them on the constant search for proven solutions that work for their peers. Enter the Atlas, an online community for local government leaders to browse case studies, follow topics, and crowdsource ideas and advice, as discussed in this episode with Ellery Monks co-founder of the Atlas. Ellery explains that water content has always been extremely popular on the platform and that lead, green infrastructure, data and technology, and sea level rise are leading categories of case studies. Before starting the conversation, I want to mention that Waterloop is a nonprofit media outlet that depends on your interest and in our funders and sponsors. Waterloop is made possible in part by grants from the Walton Family Foundation and Springpoint Partners. Waterloop is also supported through sponsorships by Hydroloop and High Sierra Showerheads. I'm going to briefly talk about these companies that are advancing water sustainability and then start the podcast. Thank you for listening. Waterloop. The Consumer Electronics Show is the largest and most influential technology event in the world. In 2020, water stole the show. That's when an in-home water recycling system called Hydroloop debuted. Hydroloop takes the water from showers and washing machines and then cleans it so it can be used again. Hydroloop was awarded Best of Innovation in the category for Sustainability, Eco-Design, and Smart Energy, and also won Best Startup, Best Sustainable Product, and the overall award for Best of the Best, beating more than 4,000 competitors. Water tech is hot thanks to Hydroloop. With Hydroloop, you can use water twice. Learn more at hydroloop.com. Waterloop. If you've listened to this podcast before, you've heard me talk about High Sierra Showerheads. I am such a big fan of them for their water efficiency, for the powerful spray they provide, their solid metal construction, no plastic parts involved, and how they're made in the USA. But there are some other great recommendations on High Sierra Showerheads. Let me share these with you. They are named Best Showerhead by Popular Science. They are named Best Showerhead by CNET. High Sierra Showerheads also gets named Best Low Flow Showerhead by Wirecutter, Treehugger, and CNN Underscored. You can also look on Amazon and see that they get tons of high-star reviews from all the satisfied customers. You can get 20% off using promo code LOOP20 at HighSierraShowerheads.com. You're in the Waterloop. Welcome to Waterloop. This is Travis. Going to talk about the Atlas today. This is a tremendous tool for local governments. I am joined by its co-founder and Ellery Monks. She is also the executive vice president of GovExec. Ellery, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you and for inviting me, Travis. All right. Uh, this is going to be a fun one. Um, we uh, have some history back in D.C. working uh, under the Obama administration on environmental issues. I was over at EPA as the comms director for the Office of Water, and you were? 
I was a fellow uh, with the Office of Science and Technology Policy at the White House. Yeah. And that kind of will lead into the origin story of the Atlas. Before we go down that road, could you tell folks what the Atlas is? Yeah, absolutely. So the Atlas is a free online community for local government officials and staff to do three things. Uh, The first is to browse case studies. The second is to follow trending topics in local government. And the third is to post questions to one another to crowdsource ideas and advice. Um, We have about 3,000 local government leaders that are using the Atlas each month. Um, The thing that we're most known for and the thing that they're utilizing the most is that case study database of best practices and the corresponding uh, following topics functionality, which we can talk about if it's helpful. We, I think we will. We will. And we'll we'll pull out the water connections because you have a yes. lot of them in there, yes. which is really awesome and why I wanted to talk to you. Um, yes. Okay. So you were in DC. You were working in kind of this environmental space. There's lots of stuff going on. It was a great time to be working on environmental issues. Um, lots got done. Um, how, how did you get the idea for this? What's what's your origin story? What's the problem you identified? So as you mentioned, uh, I was in DC, as was my co-founder, L. So I was a fellow with OSTP and L was at EPA with you, Travis. That's right. Um, and kind of completely independently of each other, we uh, joined the administration, right? We, we were working in DC thinking that the federal government was the answer to all of the world's most gnarly problems. Uh, (laughs) You know, we were young. Climate, uh, affordability, equity, all the things that we care, you know, that we care so much about. And we thought, you know, the the federal government was going to be really the right way to do that. Um, And working in D.C., kind of by fate, we started working on Uh, federal initiatives that worked with local governments. So I worked uh, extensively on the Hurricane Sandy Rebuilding Task Force, um, which was working with a lot of local governments in New York and New Jersey. And in that work, realized like, oh, local is where it's at. Mm, (laughs) That's, mm. That's where the real action is. You're closer to people. And so you're closer to the problem, which means that you're closer to the solutions. Hmm. Things happened a lot more quickly, you know, and again, the the action was just a lot, a lot more tangible. So we, again, this is all very fateful because this, we were kind of doing this independently at the same time. Hmm. We left DC uh, along with another one of our co-founders who was also in the administration and very quickly uh, won a $3 million grant from the Rockefeller Foundation Um, to work with eight U.S. cities to pursue basically innovative infrastructure. So whether that was in financing mechanisms, the actual technology itself, uh, whatever that may be. And going into that work, we we thought, okay, the big barriers are going to be finance and procurement. Like people aren't going to know how to actually pay for this or they're not going to know how to buy it. And those were big pain points for sure. But we encountered a much more human barrier, which was that local government leaders are 
very rightfully and very understandably risk adverse, Mm. right? They all want to do the best thing for their community and they all want to be innovative, but nobody wants to be first. And that's, there are really good reasons behind that, which we can talk about. Um, And so in order to equip any of these local governments uh, to do anything differently when it came to infrastructure, (laughs) including water infrastructure, we needed to very clearly be able to arm them with who's done this before, what other local governments, what did it look like, what was the cost, what vendors were involved. And ideally, that local government leader would get on the phone with the point of contact in the other local government before they even thought about bringing it up to their mayor or to council or to their city manager. Um, And that's how the Atlas was born. So it started off as a Google spreadsheet of (laughs) of innovative infrastructure projects that I managed. Um, And as it's evolved and as it's grown, it's turned into this really dynamic online community around the case study database. Yeah, I, I love a lot of the things you said there. You know, I, the idea that local government is where you actually see results because you're so close, you're on the ground, um, and you can see the impacts of your work um, rather than kind of those big, huge federal government programs that then, you know, pass things on down. Um, yeah. And so that's great to be able to empower all these local government people across the, the country. I want to talk about water and yes. what place slash popularity water has held in the Atlas. You know, where was it in the beginning? How has it kind of trended over time as far as, um, yeah, it's, it's place in this? So our... Our roots are in water. Um, When we initially started the Atlas, we had, I would say, the most most granularity in terms of the topics that were included um, were in water. uh, And the most case study content that we had was in water. And I think that that trend has remained true over over time. I think the reason for that, and I don't want to play favorites, but I think the (laughs) reason for that is because uh, if local government is where the action is at, right, when compared to state and federal, I would argue that water is where the action is at when compared to many other types of infrastructure. Um, And there are reasons for that, which I know you guys discuss extensively in this podcast. (laughs) Um, But Right. Some of the reasons for that are that our water systems are uh, overwhelmingly old <laughs> yes, and, and reaching the end of their useful lifetimes. And so there's a lot of action, right? Things need to be replaced. Things need to be upgraded. You know, there's because of water rates, there tends to be money there. You know, there's all, all kinds of good reasons for that. And so I think uh, water and all of the water related uh, subtopics, right? That's a big, it's a big topic, mm. but they have always been extremely popular on the Atlas. And that's, I think, held constant over time. I'm curious, the people that are using the Atlas, you know, you, you say local government, could you expand on that a little bit and talk about who these people are? You said there's like 3000 people using it yeah. a month. Um, who, yeah. who are these folks? Yeah. So our goal, I know this is a water podcast, but our <laughs> goal is to create a big tent online community for 
local government leaders. So that's um, all at all employees, right? Anybody who works for a local government, that's a municipality, a county, a water utility, an airport authority, um, whatever that may be, right? Um, and we verify all of this. So it actually has to be legit, legit, <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, anyways. So there, um, it's folks who work for a local government. Um, the vast majority of folks, uh, using the Atlas each month are from North American are, are in North America. Um, the overwhelming majority are from municipalities and water utilities, though we do, as we are growing, um, we do have a lot more representation from counties and states as well. But a big percentage are municipalities and water utilities. Um, and then in terms of who it actually is, again, the whole point is to bring everybody into this one big tent because our one of the one of our big uh, one of our big convictions, right, is that the real magic happens in local government when, you're breaking down silos between traditional sectors and between traditional departments so that you have public works interacting with IT that's interacting with sustainability that's interacting with the mayor's office and that that's where the real magic happens. Um, so you see a lot of, uh, a lot of city managers, a lot of public works directors and division directors of uh, whether it's like, the stormwater division or water quality or whatever that may be. Um, there are a lot of those folks on there as, as uh, kind of like our, our most core uh, community members. And then we have a big contingent in addition to that of IT leaders, whether that's actual IT or whether it's innovation um, or uh, it's like, chief information officers, CDOs, those types of folks as well. Yeah, gotcha. Cool. Um, I'm curious about the issues that are of most interest to them. You talk about case studies. Obviously, yeah. water is, is a big umbrella. There's lots of different uh, pieces under that. Um, what are the water issues of most interest to the users of Atlas? So I would say there's probably four. And I actually, right before we recorded this. I looked at the trend data. All right. I thought that you might ask. Being like, prepared. Good. Good job. I think you might ask about that. <laughs> so there are, there are, there are basically four um, that rank really, really high. Okay. Um, the four are green infrastructure and stormwater, uh, lead and lead service line replacement. Um, I would say data and tech Broadly, there are a lot of things that kind of fall under that. That's like a big bucket one, um, which we can talk about if you want to. And then uh, the fourth big one is sea level rise and climate. Wow. I'm pretty surprised uh, to hear that. I mean, that is tremendous insight to hear you know, the data that people are going yeah. for based on what the topics they're going for, right? This isn't yeah. like water people sitting around trying to guess, yeah. oh, I bet they're most interested in this or that. Um, what would you have, what would you have guessed? I'm curious. Which one surprises you? Sea level rise surprises me that yeah. that's actually kind of in the, that very top tier of things that local government people are looking at. Um, well, I will tell you some of that. So the sea level rise data is that some of our most or case studies are sea level rise case studies. Hmm. 
Interesting. Okay, so, so there's a little bit of like, there's a lot of it out there. So that kind of brings yeah. that up. But still, yeah, there's a little nuance. there. But you've talked oh, yeah. about how those case studies are, those are submitted by local government people. So that means there's a lot of that type of work happening out there, exactly. and they want to be sharing it. So there's still some, exactly. you know, popularity there for sure. Exactly. Um, I guess lead doesn't surprise me too much. That's a huge no. hot issue. And people are trying to make headway on that. Well, and with there's been, I mean, you know this better than I do, but with all of the rulemaking to with LCR and mm. stuff like that, they have a huge federal mandate to do it. So I think there's a lot of that's a confluence of public interest, right, mm. and like residents demanding things combined with federal mandates, which is the that's the sweet spot of where people actually do something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, stormwater and green infrastructure doesn't surprise me as much um, because drinking water, wastewater, there's a lot of information out there. A lot of that stuff is pretty prescribed, if you will. Um, whereas stormwater is like of the three areas, that's one of the least funded. Um, and where yep. local governments are trying to have to kind of come up with solutions and figure out how to do it. And green infrastructure is a way like, that, that that can be tackled. Well, and especially some of this also gets back to our roots, which is some of that is in infrastructure finance, right? Is in mm. terms of how, how do you pay for this stuff? Um, and so we have a bunch of case studies about how you actually pay for stormwater upgrades and green infrastructure. Um, and those are wildly prop popular because I think to your point, even if a local government can get the initial cost funded, there's huge O&M questions um, for stormwater and for green infrastructure over time. Um, and I think it's an, it's an area that's very, uh, that's very ripe for the sharing of best practices about how yeah. to actually do it. Sure. And what was the fourth category you mentioned? Some short-term memory. Oh, data, 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 and data, data and tech. And yeah. that's, that's a, that's a catch-all, but it's if you combine several different types of data and tech, it's the most popular. Hmm. I'm, I guess I'm not as surprised by that either because those are some of the most popular episodes of this podcast is talking about kind of some of the solutions and the tools that are out there when it comes yeah. to managing data, using yep. it more efficiently. Hey, what's the newest kind of tech out there you can tap into and all that. So. Yep. Looking back on it, maybe it's only the sea level rise one that really surprises me as much. But um, yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, and sea level rise that also goes uh, like I looked at all time data. Mm. I looked at it from uh, the beginning of 2020, basically. Okay. So I think sea level rise is a popular one in to in totality. Mm. I think it ebbs and flows based on uh, current events. Sure, sure. Like they're all like you'll see huge spikes. Like depending on what's happening, we'll see a huge spike in wildfire searches. Sure. Or cybersecurity, like water and cybersecurity, depending on what's happening. So it depends on how uh, how granular you want to look at the data. Month, monthly, quarterly, yearly, etc. All right. So you went into the system and you kind of pulled that data, got a snapshot that way, got that list. But you also talked to a lot of people like oh, yeah. in, in real life, not just across, not just that, you know, tech yeah. computer thing. But so yeah. how does how does that's that my actual, list? That's my actual job. 
<laughs> How does that list match up with what you're what you hear in conversations with local government people? Are those are those some of the top things? Are there others that pop up as as their key issues of interest? So I think the ones that pop up uh, in conversations that are not as well reflected in the data are workforce development, mm. which I am hearing a ton about, uh, specifically in regards to water infrastructure. Um, and I think the other one is, is like federal funding broadly, Mm. like how to, how to get it, how to tap into it, how to to get it. What can I spend it on? Mm. How quickly am I going to have to spend it? What types of strings are going to be attached to this? How are other local governments spending it? That kind of, that kind of thing. I would say those are the two that are, um, not as well reflected in the data. We see it, but not as not in the same way. Hmm. Interesting. And then you have these conversations with real people, and that helps to inform the direction of the atlas. Or like, hey, maybe we need to kind of div- look for more in this area or that area. Or ob- obviously, functionality is is part of it, but the actual content itself, huh? Yeah, for sure. So we um. So we have a city advisory team um, and their whole role is to mostly advise me and our engineering team about how the platform should look and function and what types of features we should be building. Um, There are some very awesome uh, water leaders on that city advisory team, including Kathy Bailey, um, who has, I know, you guys know when uh, you've probably talked to her a bunch. Um, and they've Cincinnati, been instrumental. Cincinnati there, the head of their, their you know, drinking water program there in Cincinnati. Yep. Um, same, uh, you, have you talked to Reese Johnson? He's also hmm. uh, in Cincinnati. He's the head of their, uh, actually don't, it's not their drinking water. He's in charge of stormwater. Okay. Um, it's separate in, in Cincinnati, which I forget what it's actually called. But anyways, yeah. um, so they help advise on what we should actually build, how, how the site should function and, and be featured. They also, I'm in regular communication with them, and they tell us what types of topics are top of mind for them uh, and all those kinds of things. The way that we uh, determine what type of additional case studies we should be trying to publish and those sorts of things is actually a little more data-driven, <laughs> which is that we... I was just referencing the data. We track, right, how people are searching and the challenge categories they're using and, and all of that kind of stuff. And if we, when we start to see trending searches where we don't have really good case studies, we'll then as a team say, okay, we want to work with these cities or these local governments to get some of these best practices up because we see it in the search trends that people are interested in reading this type of case study. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. So it's in, yeah, so it's informed by conversations, but also by data, which is good. Yeah. That's the right. That's that's the right call. <laughs> absolutely. So um, I, I wondered if you could kind of share a few of the most popular water case studies, yes. um, and and maybe explain that process of how these case studies come about, um, and then yeah. and then what are some of the most popular ones for water? So all of the case studies are published. They're, they're published by our members. So they could be published by a local government itself. 
Um, a lot of our case studies are published by nonprofits. So we have uh, uh, nonprofit partnerships with uh, the Water Now Alliance, which you probably know, mm-hmm. um, as well as the Green Infrastructure Leadership Exchange. Um, both water related, both have published fabulous, uh, fabulous case studies into the database. Um, and then the third category is we also have case studies that are published by companies, by private sector companies. Um, all of the case studies have the same formats, all that kind of good stuff so that they're easy to, uh, search and then figure out which one is actually relevant. So you're not wasting your time. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, it's a lot easier than skimming through white papers. <laughs> on 18 million websites. Yeah, it's yeah. brutal. Any, Anyways. Any idea how many water case studies you have on there? I'm putting you on the spot here. So, I mean, several hundred. Okay. I can't. Yeah, I don't need a precise. I, say, I, a pers- I don't I need a precise. Like, I would say probably like 400. Okay. 500. Four yeah. or 500. It's a lot. Awesome. Lot. Yeah, sure. Um, so you asked about... The most popular ones. Uh, popular case studies. So, okay. So let me hearken back. And I'm actually looking through, I'm, I'm looking through the database while we do that. This is in real so, time right now. Yeah, people. it's real time. <laughs> we are working. Time, yeah. So the categories that we talked about. So I'll just go through the list. So for lead, um, the most popular uh, case study in lead is City of Cincinnati. By far, Kathy, Kathy Bailey's work. Um, I think the their Get the Let Out program has actually been, it's been, first of all, very successful. Um, and it's had a very unique focus on equity, um, which I think many, many, many local governments are interested in replicating because I think they've had a big uh, awakening about how important uh, equity issues are in water. So that's, I think, far and away uh, the most popular. There are also some really popular case studies uh, related to lead surface line replacement in Loveland, Colorado and Indianapolis. There are also some pretty popular ones in that category too. Mm. Um, In data and tech, there's a case study out of Orlando that's really popular. That's about using like real-time monitoring, um, like sensors in real-time monitoring uh, for flood prevention. For flood prevention, um, but there are also some really popular ones uh, relating to like backflow prevention, tech-enabled maintenance, uh, and monitoring, and those kinds of things as well. There are another uh, some other really popular ones too. Um, in green infrastructure, um, far and away, the most popular case study recently, like in the last six months, uh, related to stormwater and green infrastructure, is actually out of uh, Vancouver. And it's uh, the title is Green Infrastructure Acts as a Bridge for Indigenous Reconciliation in Vancouver, British Columbia. Hmm. Um same thing. I think that that's, I think that that's because of this awakening uh, on equity and inclusion. So I think it's it was uh, very ripe. I think, but that's been a wildly popular case study over the last several months. Um, if you look 
For longer trends on stormwater and green infrastructure, there's a very, very popular case study from uh, Camden County uh, MUA, MUA, CCMUA. Um, this is Andy Kreiken's work, if you're familiar with him. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It's a very. <laughs> Everybody loves Andy. He's a great, great, great water leader. So Andy is also on our city advisory team. Andy is Andy is wonderful, I, like absolutely wonderful. The backstory with me and Andy is that he was actually uh, we did some work with him on that Rockefeller grant. Okay. So we yeah me we go way back with Andy. He's great. Um, but so there's a case study out of CCMUA. You're probably familiar, um, but they had a series of uh, very successful green infrastructure installations where they used them. Uh, as an anchor for local workforce development and training. So it actually uh, created some really highly skilled jobs and they, people got uh, tech training and all that kind of stuff. Um, so again, I think, or not again, but I think that that's, there's a reason for that, right? Which is that I think there's this other whole national conversation about workforce development and training and mm. um, skilled work and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and so that's been a really popular one too. And then the last one was sea level rise. Hmm. Um, and the most popular one, this is all, all time, but the most popular one in sea level rise is a project out of Mobile, Alabama, where they did uh, oyster shell. They did an oyster shell seawall that was really successful and was actually at a pretty large scale. Uh, so this is the atlas. This is uh, this is the homepage. You can see there's some uh, there's some featured case studies, all that kind of good stuff. Remember, all this is free. I know I said that at the beginning, but I wanted to say that again. Totally free for local government and nonprofits. I'm going to click on case studies and show you uh, the case study database real quick, so that you can get uh, get a handle on on some of the good juicy water stuff that's in here. So this is the case study database. These are some of those uh, case studies I was just referencing. I'm going to select some flooding tags and some, I don't know, let's do water supply and drought and maybe water quality. How about that? Those are good ones. Those are good ones. Those are relevant, hopefully. <laughs> so, <laughs> as you start to uh, scroll through here, you'll start to see case studies. So super fun sites historical data, all, you know, all kinds of stuff. So, I'll, oh, this is that oyster reef project I was just referencing in Mobile, Alabama. Do you want me to click on? Sure. Click on let's dig. It? Let's go in one and see what it uh, looks like. Okay. Let's do you know, Mr. Trash Wheel. I love that guy. Oyster. Okay. Let's talk. Let's look at Mr. Trash Wheel. <laughs> he's, a, he's everybody's favorite uh, trash picker upper. I mean, really. Yeah. I mean, he is. So as you start to scroll through here, you'll see... Uh, you know, all the kind of important summary details about this, right? How much it cost, when it was built, pictures, keywords, uh, more reading, all, all of that kind of good stuff. Um, very importantly, all of these case studies are designed to be basically uh, skimmable. So at a glance, what was the problem that was addressed? What was the solution that was used? And what were the actual outcomes? So in this case... Mr. Trash Wheel has prevented three and a half million pounds of trash from reaching Baltimore Harbor. That's pretty great. 
um, at, all the way down to comments and all that kind of stuff. Um, if we have it, we will even uh, display the RFP that was used hmm. uh, to get, to actually build the project because you know we know people like to copy and paste scopes of work. Uh, <laughs> And then it makes it very share. It makes it very shareable. You can share that or favorite it and keep it for later, yes. kind of thing. And yeah, um, absolutely. Um, I'm gonna just keep scrolling through here for a second. Well, look, um, you've even got you've even got one from uh, Italy there. I saw Venice. Um, oh yeah. So you do get some international submissions. Yeah, we do. This is yep. This is Venice, uh, flooding and high tides. I'm going to just scroll through here again, and then we can uh, go back to talking. Uh, see, here are some data once. 7,000 continuous water quality data points. Backflow testing. Here's like a, here's a real, we'll look at yeah. a, a more technical one. So this is water reclamation in the city of Los Angeles. Oh, see, and like here, the, we have the RFP here. This is a huge okay. project, 140 million. Um, same thing, like if we have the ongoing maintenance costs, we'll display mm. that as well. Um, and you can see it still it still follows that same template, right? Um, most importantly, I think are the outcomes personally. Yeah, and I'm sorry to use this adjective in regard to this particular case study, but it, it makes it very digestible, right? Like it's it's a <laughs> you can it's a it's not too extensive. It's very very organized and, and short, but but gives you the key info, so you can kind of learn and then act if you want to. Well, yeah, and this is what I was going to say is right. Some of this is that some of this was selfish, right? In that. Mm. I was finding myself spending an enormous amount of time like skimming through white papers and a million different websites trying to find these. And everything is written in different formats. Some of them are like 40 pages long and it's impossible to figure out whether or not something is actually relevant, like in a, in a one minute kind of fashion. Hmm. So our goal was to design these in a way that you could figure out very quickly just by scrolling the summaries, what's relevant to you and what's re not relevant to you. So this yeah. is a um, Spanish speaking uh, resident engagement with lead, lead pipe replacement. I think this is actually a private sector uh, case study. So that's a good example to give too. One, so uh, in 120 water. Yep. Yeah. So this is, so 120 water audit is one of our private sector partners. Um, and they, they uploaded this case study, they published this case study and you'll always see the company contact on anything that's private sector. So it's very obvious, uh, which ones have been, been published by them. I guess my last question is, uh, is what's next? You know, what are, what are, what are you looking to do with the Atlas? <laughs> what are, what's kind of upcoming, maybe whether it's functionality or content or, or whatever, you know, I know, I know that nothing's ever static, right? You're always, always okay. looking to improve and do new things and do more. So what's on yeah. your plate? Always. So we're, um, so we're going to be improving and iterating on all of the features and functionality that we already have. So making the case study database bigger, better, more awesome, all of that kind of stuff. Making the uh, following topics functionality bigger, better, all of that, all of the all of those good things. Um, so we're going to for sure iterate 
and continue to improve the core features and the core functionality because we're only right we're like not two years old yeah uh, so, so that's that's kind of the name of the game, right? That's our that's our main thing. Um, what I would say in terms of new new features and new functionality is that we are going to be introducing lots of other types of resources outside of just case studies. So we've started doing things like uh, change maker interviews. So interviewing uh, top local government leaders, right? Uh, about the work that they're doing on the ground and some of the more um, intangible lessons learned uh, and kind of keys to success Mm. that are very, very difficult to capture just in a case study, right? So you can imagine it as as kind of supplemental uh, to the actual case studies themselves, but it's it's more of those intangibles to hear from local leaders themselves. Um, we've started doing a couple of these and we'll continue to do more of them. Um, and we'll, I think, continue to expand into other different types of resources. So like we did a huge uh, COVID survey of, I think it was like more than 600 local government officials and staff uh, took the survey about all of the various impacts of COVID on local government operations and, and capital planning. Um, we did that last spring. We'll continue to do more of that uh, as we move forward and find better homes for them in the site itself. Right now, they're kind of siphoned off uh, into some separate areas. So we're gonna we're gonna find ways to bring that out more to the forefront because that work is really important and really really impactful. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, Ellery, it was great catching up with you for this podcast. Uh, I'm it's been overdue from my end. I've meant to reach out for a while. The Atlas is awesome. Uh, so congrats on all the success and best of luck continuing to evolve it and making it impactful. And thanks for coming on to chat. Well, likewise, and I would say ditto on Waterloo. Yeah, We've been big you. fans. We've been big fans for a long time, even when the Atlas was just a a wee bitty Google spreadsheet. <laughs> and and now you're a now you're like a powerful toddler at two years old, you know. Exactly. At two grown. two years old. Ooh, that's <laughs> that's a scary analogy because I have a two-year-old. <laughs> you know, you know, yes. Small but powerful. Uh, Ellery, oh, awesome. Yes. <laughs> Take care. Thanks for everything. Thanks everyone for listening to today's episode. A special thanks to Waterloop supporters, Springpoint Partners, and the Walton Family Foundation. Waterloop is sponsored by High Sierra Showerheads, the smart, stylish choice for conserving water, energy, and money while enjoying an invigorating shower. Use promo code LOOP20 for 20% off at HighSierraShowerheads.com. Waterloop is also sponsored by Hydroloop, the innovative water recycling system for homes and businesses. Use water twice with Hydroloop. Learn more at hydroloop.com. If you like Waterloop, please subscribe to the YouTube channel or your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on social media and visit waterloop.org to sign up for updates. Waterloop, Waterloop, Waterloop.